Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a live presentation of the Commercial Appeal. Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Calkins, and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. Welcome in to another live podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you for joining us at CommercialAppeal.com. I am Ron Tillery, the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known. And just when I've seen everything, or thought I've seen everything, we had this past weekend. Joined by uh, Pick and Pop columnist Chris Harrington and Peter Edmiston, who is a contributor with his Numbers Game column. We will get into NBA free agency at large uh, and what else the Grizzlies might do. But, fellas, let's start with what they did and and, and how big it might have been to re-sign Mike Conley to the full max, five years, approximately $153 million, and then another max deal to Chandler Parsons. And uh, that's four years, roughly $95 million. I, I think by the time it happened, I don't think anyone in Memphis was surprised that Mike Conley came back. We've been saying that for a while. But it's a big deal because the difference in, in outcome for the franchise is so vast in terms of whether he came back or not. If, if Mike Conley did not come back, they were going to be on a path to tear down, I think, in the near future. Yeah. Now with Mike Conley back on top of <clears throat> Marcus All and then the other signing that they made we'll talk about, they're now on a path to, to be a playoff competitor if they stay healthy for the next four years. And so you're talking about four years of, of, of competing to be a playoff team versus a teardown that would have been ugly given the, the draft picks they still owe in the future. So it, it is a massive redirection of where the franchise could have gone if, if Conley had not chosen to come back. Well, I think, I think you're right, Chris, and I think also that from a symbolic point of view, for the Grizzlies to win a battle. Now, they had some help from Mike Conley, who was obviously close with Chandler Parsons. They spent time together. Nonetheless... They win a battle in free agency with a very game opponent, Portland. You could make a very strong case that Parsons would be an excellent fit there. They they went at it with Damian Lillard, Paul Allen. They went full bore to get this guy's same exact contract. Right. And he chose Memphis. Yeah, that's for whatever that's huge symbolically for the franchise. That's never happened. You I can, think you can say that they overpaid relative to what he is if you yeah. want to. That's a matter yeah. of opinion. They did not overpay relative to the market. No. Like they didn't pay more. No. Well, I, I think things just fell into place. I, I, I don't want to undercut this symbolism. It sounds like you're about to, though. But, I mean, the, the, just like things fell in place for Golden State with Durant, you know, with, with them uh, having an influx of TV money, with right. Steph Curry being on a bargain deal, they were able to to get him. The thing with Chandler Parsons is, you know, I'm told it wasn't uncommon to see him at the Grizzlies team hotel in Dallas. So he's clearly friends with Mike. 
and 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 potentially Mark since those guys are tight. And once he made it clear to Dallas that he wanted a max, and they said no, all it took was the max for him to come to Memphis. And so I'll give Robert Pear credit for be, being willing to spend, yeah. but I'm not so He's sure. Spanky throwing it. money out the window, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so sure it was a battle with Portland. Well, and it sounds like, and you would know, you would know better, Ron. But it sounds like the, this new coaching staff they hired was a real positive in this too. Yeah, and then and then we're we're in an era where guys are now making decisions on who they want to play with. Right. You know, I mean, these guys are buddies. They're coming up through AU. They're playing on these Olympic teams, and they're deciding, hey, let's join forces. Let's let's put pressure on the team to make this happen. And so I, I think it was in the cards for Parsons to come here. It was just a matter of re- whether Robert Pear was going to max him out. Listen, Ron Tillery, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to have you harshen the buzz <laughs> of the Grizzly world. The, the, when have the Grizzlies ever won a battle? A, a fair, even-shot battle? I don't care if you want to say they had this, they had that, the circumstance, whatever. Every team has circumstance. Every team sure. has opportunities to do things because they set their cap up or because of a jump or whatever. That's what you do as a general manager. Two months ago... Chris Wallace was being, pro- rightly, as far as I'm concerned, questioned, like, what are they going to do? Like, you look forward at this franchise, like, the next few years, you got the, the one draft pick this year, you got the, you know, you got a 17 and 57. You got, looking ahead, what's Mike Conley, boy, I don't know, health-wise, Marcus All, what's health-wise? After that, what do they do? What if Mike Conley doesn't come back? What if he does? Who are they going to be able to supplement him with? Meanwhile, you look now, they had a, by all accounts, a spectacular draft. I mean, spectacular they got two guys that most got most relative, relative to where their picks were well, and the assets they had. This is what right. I mean. Like you, you, you have two guys that were uh, top fifteen by most accounts, right. and you got them at seventeen and thirty-one. You parlayed that Jeff Green first, that may you know probably first, but who knows what that thing's going to be. You parlayed that into two high second-round picks in a very deep draft, and you got two guys that you think are going to be contributors. Maybe Deontay Davis even this year, but but down the line certainly right. Wade Baldwin fills a role. Then you get Mike Conley. Then you get Chandler Parsons. That doesn't. That's a strong move, and I listen. I'm the most contrarian guy. You know me. When you throw in the coaching hire, I mean, and it's I, just been. A, I think it's been spectacular. I, I, I it's think, been a very strong summer. Yeah. I think it's been a, an excellent summer. I'm just saying simply that. I mean, when have you seen the Grizzlies max out two guys in one offseason? Right. That that's a credit to Robert Parrish's commitment right. to keeping the party going, and so we do have to get into Chris. Exactly what will Chandler Parsons mean? Uh, I want to throw one thing out before we get into that. Yeah. It's related when I mentioned the coaching stuff. Chandler Parsons mentioned specifically, you know, David Fissell, but also J.B. Bickerstaff mm-hmm. right. as someone that, you know, he had that relationship with. And, you know, the Grizzlies didn't decide on, on, on the midnight when free agency struck, we're going to go after Chandler Parsons. They made this decision right. a while back, uh, probably before they made the, co- the filled out the coaching staff, yeah. maybe even before they hired Fisdale. Yeah. I wonder if if, if knowing if, if knowledge of and I haven't heard anything about this, but I wonder if knowledge of the relationship between Bickerstaff and Parsons had some kind of role in, in, I, in hiring Bickerstaff to begin with. Maybe so, but at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if they don't max him, he's not here. Oh, that's true. I mean, they, that that could all but be. Gotta, well. I mean, look, but, but look, yeah. you, 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 we've talked about this before. There is a very defined floor that mm-hmm. NBA teams have to reach, $84.7 million this year. Mm-hmm. You have a great deal of money. Everybody's got you know a, a tremendous amount of space. Mm-hmm. Look at the – I mean, you have Ryan Anderson signing an you know, $80 million deal over four years. You've got uh, you know, Mozgov getting $16 million a year. You got, in, in this climate, it's it's a no-brainer to Max. I yeah. mean, you of course you would do that. And so you know, it's not, if the Grizzlies hadn't done it, Portland obviously would. Someone else would have done it. Parsons, given the alternatives, is going to get a major deal somewhere. He, I think there's two questions with Parsons aside from the money. 
One is his fit with the team, which right. we can talk about. The other is his health. Right. And how concerned are we that not only is the guy coming over with pre-existing health questions, but coming over from the Dallas Mavericks? Because the Dallas Mavericks looked at Vince Carter and said, yeah, that's fine. You go ahead. And we, we saw what happened with that. Are we concerned that the Dallas Mavericks, who, who, who know more about his health than any other team in the NBA, looked at him and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spend our money elsewhere? Well, I, I, I guarantee you that's the reason why Cuban wouldn't max him. Right. Because he probably felt like— He just gave the same contract to Harrison Barnes. Right, right. He felt like, you know, hey, at the end of the day, Harrison Barnes is going to last longer for us and, and be uh, more productive for more years. Um, well, I mean, that's part of the risk-taking. I, I, I guess I can convince myself that the Grizzlies have to take. Right. Uh, because they check boxes with this kid if he's healthy. I mean, he, he's a versatile, playmaking shooter. You know, and and he can play the three and the four. He can he can shoot the three ball, and um, make plays for others. So he's sort of a perfect. But, if he's healthy, he's sort of a perfect offensive fit oh, between yeah. a, Mike Mike Conley at the one and Marcus Hall at the five. Because of what you said, he'll be the best three point volume three point shooter they probably had in this era. Right. He he's a guy. He's not a great playmaker, but he's not a stiff either. Like you can swing the ball to him, and he can do something with yeah. it. And then he gives that positional versatility, which is increasingly important in the NBA. Right. Um, to, not only can he play different positions, but him playing different positions can totally shift the way you're playing as a team. The, the jump from three to four is different than the jump from two to three or four to five. Like that really shifts your style of play. And having someone who can do that, and they did it with Matt Barnes, they did it with other players, but he is better equipped to do that than Barnes or Jeff Green were. And so it really opens up a lot of possibilities for Fizdale. Oh, yeah, with, without a doubt. I, I think. Uh, and, and I, I tweeted this out, but I looked back, and he's he's had as many games making five or more threes in the last two years as the entire Grizzly team combined did in that same stretch. Nine. Right. I mean, that's he's the Grizzlies have never had guys that can come in and make a bunch of outside shots, and he showed them. He made ten against the Grizzlies two years ago when he was with Houston. I mean, he he can do that. They don't have they haven't had that guy. Plus, he's. And again, health wise and all that, we'll, we'll see. But theoretically, he's in a in a good part of his career. He's in the prime of his career. He's in the if, same basically that, that slot window, as, as Conley yeah, Gasol. He fits degree, perfectly right. into where where you are right now. He helps you to expand that out. And then I think you know from a uh, versatility standpoint, right now three as he gets older and as the league continues to transition, I think he'll he'll mature beautifully into a four, you know, probably full time four uh, in a couple of years. But I think right right now he he slots in with what you want to do, uh, and I think he soaks up a lot of those. We've seen you know that role played by Jeff Green. We've seen that role played by uh, Vince Carter, Matt, Matt Barnes. Barnes. I right. think he soaks that up and, and does a much better job of it, a much more natural job of it on the offensive forward end. on the offensive end. But yeah. that that's the part that excites me because I'm I'm sick of the the. I, I think this is truly a shift. In paradigm a little bit. I think they're changing, and, and they've said that before, but they right. never actually did it. Right. Now they have a guy. This you know, signing and the new coaching exactly. staff. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, Dave Yeager tried to sell that, and I don't think anyone was really buying it. Everyone, you know, mm. the first you know, month, you know, first month of the year tried it, and it didn't really work out. And no one, because the personnel was the same, and you didn't really have anybody that could actually do that. Now you do. Yeah, you have questions on the defensive end, but at least from my vantage point, I'd rather see that than the alternative well you mentioned coaching staff being new good thing we're doing this live because the grizzlies just made it official that keith smart uh, formerly of the miami heat will join Fizdale staff as will adam mazare is that correct chris he, he is being promoted he, yeah, as he was one of the player yeah, development as a player yeah. from player development mm-hmm. to Fizdale staff so that's uh that's been made official as we speak 
Well, there you go. And, I mean, and maybe they're done, maybe they're not. I don't know. I could see them adding maybe one more person. But it's a great, I think it's a good it's, staff. It's a very good staff, very solid staff. Very we've strong already seen, staff. Yeah. We've already seen JB Bickerstaff. He's yeah, got pay, two head coaches <laughs> on his. Pay staff. dividend, yeah. And you know, the, and I want to get back to the the, the thing with um, Dallas though, real fast, as far as <clears throat> a health standpoint though, because I, I agree with you that there there you have to be worried about the knee. He had a cartilage procedure. It's not the same one that Jordan. Well, and the Grizzlies have. You talk about Dallas's history of recognizing this. The Grizzlies have yeah, a history. Yeah, right? the Grizzlies have. These are two things that could that converge here. You're right. Yeah, the Grizzlies have their own certain sorted history with this sort of thing. Dallas has its history, but I do think that Dallas. You remember, you know, they got rid of Steve Nash too soon. Uh, they allowed Jay Crowder to, to to walk. They've allowed guys to move. Uh, either through trade or through free agency, based on calculated risks that haven't always played out. They haven't always been dead on. Sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't. Brandon Wright, I think that's, you know, that was just bad luck. Probably. Well, they traded him. They but, traded him and Crowder for Rajon Rondo. That, that, but, but, that was pretty they, bad. But they allowed that to happen. And so I'm right. saying, they, they, don't, they don't always get it right. They might. Sometimes they do, and I'm not, I'm not doubting that they have fabulous technology. Mark Cuban's a bajillionaire. I don't think they always get it right. The Grizzlies, though, to the extent that they can control it, they got to figure out what happened last year, right? And and fix it. Yes, that's. I don't know. You know. Now some of it can be bad luck, but that's a lot of bad luck. It was too you, much of a preponderance. Absolutely. For me. I think. Yeah. I, you yeah. got to fix it because you got three major pieces that have big red flags, and if they're fixed, cool. If they're not, and you have lots of minor pieces. I mean, Jerome yep. Martin's coming off another foot. Well, tail, that, right? that and you got a first round pick and Jordan Adams. Who was supposed to be part of the future, and you can write him now. Off. You've got this mysterious knee condition, and you don't even know whether he'll play basketball again. The plan was coming into this season that you would slot Jordan Adams in, if not to be the starter at the two, but at least to take a big chunk of yeah. those minutes at the two. And what I'm interested in now that they signed Channel Parsons is you look at the depth chart. Their their scoring guard depth chart right now looks like Tony Allen, Jordan Adams, who might not play, and Tony Roten, who's coming off a knee injury and is non guaranteed. That's not a good depth chart at scoring guard. They tried to go after Eric Gordon, as she, as she wrote about Ryan. Yeah. They, they may have got, tried to go after Courtney Lee. They don't have that much money left. They got a big hole at scoring guard. Yeah, they, that's that's the the one last piece they need to fill because, um, you know, um, they they did get younger. I mean, when you consider, you know, how much are you going to c- count on, you know, Baldwin? I mean, they, I think Fizz is going to try to develop him, but. As a combo guard, right now he might be your best option. The, the way to the play behind Tony, the way the roster's set up, there's an enormous opportunity and also an enormous responsibility for Wade Baldwin because they've got him him. lined up to be the, yep. the number one backup point guard, and they got him lined up to play a lot of minutes at the two unless they sign someone else, which I think they will. This is this is the this is the always the the dilemma that you have as a front office. This is what you have to do. Are you going to be like the Bucks and sign? Uh, Matthew Delavadova, okay, and and Mirza Toledovich, okay. I mean, I like those guys both, but or are you going to make a run? Take that chunk that was about eighteen million dollars combined per year that you're going to spend on those guys, maybe even twenty. Are you going to combine that and try to go after an impact guy, a real big, strong, going to really help your rotation, and then fill in the pieces? Or are you just going to go after you know some parts that are okay but aren't necessarily going to really move the needle? I think the Grizzlies, to me, made the more prudent choice of we're going to bunch all this right. stuff. We're going to do the best we can. You know, it may hamstring us a little bit on the back let's end of the rotation. Let's go get the best player, the best one player yeah, we can. Let's go do it, and that's I think that's the in this in this market, given right. how things drop off pretty quickly and how you're still overpaying for moderate to, to below average talent I, I think that was the prudent choice well it makes me think since chris wallace is like undoing a lot of things bringing back Roden, bringing back ennis uh do you consider wayne ellington 
as as a, a last resort. When when you look at what's out there right now, the Grizzlies have depending. You've seen different estimates, somewhere between seven and a half to eight and a half million dollars they can free up. Right. They have to do things to get to that point, and that includes buying out and stretching Vince Carter and getting rid of Nick Calathis's cap hold and, and some other little things around the edges. You look at the market right now for either two guards or combo guards, it's pretty I mean, Lance Stevenson's still out there, although there's rumors there. he might go to Indiana. Wayne Allenton, you mentioned, Nick Young, Brandon Rush. Then you have sort of combo guards, Mario Chalmers they could bring back and play both positions, maybe. Jarek Jack coming off a similar injury. Lexington Galloway, who the Knicks have made unrestricted, or our old friend Gravis Vasquez. I mean, that's sort of the pool of players you're looking at. That 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 might be in that salary range. Like you know, Deion Waiters is out there, Alan Crabb, J.R. Smith. They're not. You're not. They're not getting those guys for the no. money they have. Right. Shane Larkin do anything for you? I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> more of a pure point guard. Yeah, he's I, don't, tiny. I don't. I don't know. He's just I, these are the kind of. But you're going to have to make. You're going to have to find imperfect pieces, and and you're going to either that or or a trade. The trade market is, they, and they've got Brandon Wright to me is sitting right there as a this, this very is, tradable chunk. This is what is most interesting to me about signing Parsons and what it means. What you were talking about earlier, Peter, about shifting your style of play. Because because if you're going to maximize the value of Chandler Parsons, that requires you using him a lot at the four. Yep. That, that, that's where your real matchup advantage comes in. Use him as sort of a small ball four. But the way the roster you're not your roster is not set up to play that way. In part because you have too many players at the four and five, you got to find minutes for. They got six players already who are traditional, you know, big men to one degree or another. And but and th- so you, so you have too many players looking for minutes up front. But then if you shift Parsons up. You don't have enough players to fill in all that time on the wing. I mean, they signed James Ennis. He's not proven. You have Tony Allen, who's like 34 and can't shoot. And, like, you don't have – your roster is not set up to play small ball, even though Chandler Parsons is a perfect small ball player, which leads me to believe that this is not just about who they might sign in the next week. It's how they're going to shift that roster going into the season and even going into seasons beyond that. And I'm not so sure Brandon Wright is as expendable as you make it because they only have one true center in Mark. And he's on the coming roster. off a foot injury. He's coming off a foot injury, and and it's already been proven that it's not really uh, ideal to play Zach at the five. Right. So I actually you, like Jermichael Green more as a small ball five than Zach Randolph. Well, I th- yeah. again, this is all this all goes back to style of play. It all goes yeah. back to what David Fisdale really wants to do because Dave Yeager clearly had his preference, and he hated playing Zach at the five. Wouldn't really. That's why we had Ryan Hollins sign three I, different times. I mean, right? that's how it worked. I and, think and it was was, was loath to, <laughs> to bring young players into the mix. I mean, I, I think you know, I got Deontay Davis is not ready for prime time, but there's enough there that if you. If a guy, a player development guy, I mean, look at Josh Richardson last year with the Tyler Johnson. You can go right. down the list. These guys weren't thought to be ready for primetime either, but they were worked in because of what Fizdale and the Heat. And it's not just Fizdale; it's bolstering the whole the whole setup they have down right. there. But those guys made a jump much quicker than you think. If Davis can do that, well, now you've opened up. He's got four or five potential. He's got a lot of different things that he can do. He's a very athletic guy. He does a lot of what Brandon Wright does, uh, right. actually, from a scouting standpoint. And, and, and physically, I mean, who knows? Kid may not be able to play at all. Yeah, I mean, but, who knows? But physically, a, yeah. he's set up to be a better rebounder and rim protector than Brandon. Without Ryan. a without a yeah. doubt, he has he has very very high upside on those in those departments. Who knows whether he reaches it or not, but he's got it there. That gives you I I think that Brandon Wright is the best combination of semi expendable. I mean, I agree with you, Ron. There's mm. it's not perfect. Right. But he's you could make a case depending on how things go. And also has value given his contract. Very, very, very solid. Favorable, very yeah. favorable, especially in this climate yeah. now. And if as long as he's proven healthy, then I, I would think he'd be very attractive to a lot of different teams. I think you got to consider that. But if you do that, you're basically committing to two things. You're committing to one, we are shifting our style of play yep. towards more small ball. And two, we're just acknowledging that if Marcus Hall goes down, like we're screwed anyway. So, like, But that's true, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, yeah. that really is true. I, I, if he goes down... 
I mean, even if they've got Brandon Wright, you're whatever. I don't. And what's the hope anyway? I mean, what's the what's the ceiling? You know, like what? These are the questions you have to ask. Like, what's your ceiling? Even if Mark's healthy, I still don't think Mark plays. Everybody I've talked to who's dealt with this injury or who's ever dealt with it from an athletic standpoint warns me that he cannot he be expected be, right. to be the same well, guy. Well, that's another reason to be cautious about trading someone like Brandon Wright because you've got to soak up those minutes. Right. Even, even if Mark's healthy, you've got to soak up those minutes. Because, I mean, they may have to prepare themselves for Mark to start off slow, and then as you get to the trade well, deadline— I think he will definitely do that. I yeah, think, if you get yeah. to the trade deadline, you go, okay, Mark's coming on, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now we maybe consider moving Brandon Wright. Who know who knows, but but he's definitely better insurance than a rookie. Your real crunch is at the four. We have Zach Randolph coming back. You have Jamichael Green, who's good value on this contract, although it's a last year of contract. You have Jarrell Martin, who you're hoping to develop, and now you got Chandler Parsons. You you need to find minutes. Now you got four guys, four like legitimate players. You're trying to find minutes for at one position. Yeah. Well, this is where the style of play comes in. Maybe if you could if you can start to incorporate a lot more. Small ball, legit small ball with Parsons at the four. Find whoever you like at that five, and, and see how things roll. Then I think you're, it's going to sort itself out to some extent if you can find somebody in the short term who's okay, and then down the line as a trade, I think that's going to start opening things up. You know whether Baldwin steps up and plays a bigger role right out of the gate, uh, whether you find somebody uh, on the short term that you can help with that sort of process. I think that would, but but a lot of this is just going to be us all watching and observing and figuring out how quickly. Uh, and how strongly David Fisdale wants to shift the way that the Grizzlies play. I, I think that's kind of the plan, actually, yeah. because uh, I mean he talked a lot about in his opening press conference about being committed to the core four, and 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 he's a grinder himself. And but but it, it clearly has an expiration date that's coming very soon. Yeah. And so with the moves they made combined with the coaching change, I think that's what they're preparing for. I mean, if Mark is healthy, now that you have Mike back. And a, and a sharpshooter in Chandler with Zach and Tony being older. I mean, you're looking at Chandler, Gasol, and Mike being the big three. Yeah, new core. New core. So I, I think that's that's that almost has to be the plan because we can talk about shooting and everything else, but the Grizzlies have made themselves more athletic, younger, and more versatile. And that's as important as anything today in the NBA. Were you surprised, Ron, to see um, James Ennis brought back? No, because I, I I think Chris Wallace is in the mo- mode of undoing some things. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, uh, he always valued the kid. Dave Yeager didn't. Right. Dave, Dave, you know, kicked and screamed to get Hollins back, and so um, Ennis had to be sacrificed. Right. But you know, so you you take that into account, and then you factor in Fisdale, who worked with him in Miami, and said, "Well, no, I think the kid can play." Right. So that wasn't a shocker. No more than it was for them to claim uh, Tony Roten, because that's not a move Chris Wallace would have made in terms of trading him. That was the Jason Levian era. He believes in Tony Roten, and then I think there's a little ego involved in that. He took Tony Roden, Chris Wallace, over Draymond Green. And so I, I think he's feeling like he's got to hang with this kid and prove to people that he can be a solid NBA c- contributor. Do you think Roden will make the roster? Well, I'm told it's, it's not locked. Right. You know, and I think it has to do with a lot of what you guys talked about, depending on what the other moves they make. Um, but he will, he will not be at Summer League. And. Uh, which I thought was interesting for a guy that's coming off an injury, even though he's been in the league since uh, 012. But um, I was told it was not a lock, but. What about Andrew Harrison? My sense is that he is likely to be on the roster. Well, I know John Hollinger likes him, and I know that they value his development over the last year uh, with the Iowa Energy. So he's a big, big guard. He's 6'6, 
and, well, and I, so I, I think there's a good chance. He's I look on the at roster. like what happened with Josh Eustis in Oklahoma City. He was a guy who was in a similar situation where he agreed to go to the D League for a full year and just stay there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it was a ironclad. If you go to the D League for a full year, you will be on the roster. But I think it's sort of a it's sort of an under, a quasi understanding of you do this for because he didn't have to do that. No. He could have gone to Europe and made more money. Right. So if you stay in Iowa for a full year, we're gonna you know our plan is to bring you onto the roster the next. It season. could very well be a situation where they throw these kids into a closet at training camp and see who comes out. I mean, like, uh, let's. I mean, I, for all that Harrison did uh, in at Iowa, I mean, he had a terrible summer league. Right. I mean, you you could, almost couldn't bring him onto the roster at that point. I mean, well, he, he's a, it's a. I mean, he was a long way, and still is a long yeah. way. But they liked his development. They liked what he did. He showed yeah. a lot more maturity over the course of the year, even off the court. A lot of a lot of the reporting mm-hmm. in Iowa was that was was, was along those same lines. Uh, and they've been much more hands on with the development down in Iowa, sure. changing the head coach, changing there. There, there's a lot more of that. This is a real uh, hand in glove kind of situation that you've yeah. got down there. As far as this thing, I I think the Ennis situation. I mean, it's unfortunate because the Grizzlies could have kept Ennis for a lot cheaper if they just had a nice cohesive plan in place but Ennis is still uh, a, a very cheap guy on this and I think if you look at what he did with New Orleans last you know 10-15 games of the year uh, he, he he was all threes and all at the rim right I think he could you could absolutely see him as a candidate to start you know 10-15 minutes here and there I, I don't think that's crazy given his connection with Fisdale given his connection with with the organization and he, what play, he, did he down played there. people people yeah. didn't notice or, or forget he was an actual rotation player for the Heat oh, yeah. his rookie year yeah no he, he wasn't he, they liked him he wasn't great but he played like real like 15-20 yeah. minutes a game and was like you know average NBA player kind of production so I, it's I a small he, sample size but the way he finished in New Orleans last year right. it, was it was just eye-popping well, he, I mean he, he shot like a, you know he took 10 out of all the shots last year he only took 10 that weren't either threes or at the rim that's it. So he, he was strictly like Daryl Morey style, like we're gonna we're gonna go out here or we're gonna go at the basket. That fits in with what we're talking about as far as style of play is concerned. Right. And, I, and I think that you got to have him. And and I mean I don't I don't want to shift. I, I just think it's really important for the Grizzlies. No matter what happens, all this other stuff is is irrelevant to me. If Mike Conley doesn't take, and I, I think his what he wrote in the Players Tribune, which fast becoming one of my, you know. Go tos every day with under the <laughs> under the deputy publishing of Kevin Durant. I think he's yes. done a great job of really leading that thing into the right direction. But what Mike he's wrote, really tightened up the pros. Oh, over he there. has. I, I he think has. Yeah, has. The, the, yeah. Really, the, the the leads are much better. The nut graph really gets you uh, on the Players Tribune. But I think that Mike wrote if Mike what he wrote is a you know precursor to what he's going to be as a player. Right. He's got to be more assertive and a bigger scorer. He and I, I think he will be empowered by the contract. I think he'll be freed up to some extent. I think he was as much as he, he wasn't want to admit it. You know, he was still you know kind of scarred by the way that whole extension thing happened, all the perception, all that stuff. I, I feel like he's going to take this and and run with it and be more assertive now that he really is. This really is, in many respects, his team. I mean, to some and level, all the time this he's is taking his off. Team. Hopefully, he's going to come into the season yeah. fully healthy. Well, you know, I. I think what people fail to realize about Mike, having been around him since he was 19 years old, is you know he he is quiet, he's, he is unassuming, nice guy, but he is a fierce competitor. Like you talked about that extension and how people freaked out and thought you know it was the death of the franchise when he outplayed it. And I think I mean, it was done was, like at the last minute. It was I done mean, at the eleventh hour. I mean it you was. Know, yeah. it, and but 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 he just kept getting better and uh, kept emerging as a leader, kept evolving as a player. And I don't think this contract necessarily changes his mindset in that regard. Um, you know, I, I, I think 
what he tried to do this past season with Dave Yeager's blessing was be more assertive, more of a scorer. That, that was the plan. Unfortunately, you know, not only did Mike play poorly uh, initially, so did Marcus All, and, and you right. know, it was just yeah. it was just a rough start. But clearly, you know, the vision is for Mike and Mark to lead this franchise going forward. One thing I want to throw out there, and none of us may have a good answer to this because there's information is hard to come by on this particular subject, but you mentioned Tony Roten and Andrew Harrison, who both have non-guaranteed, or not, neither of whom have guaranteed contracts, right. sort of potentially fighting for a roster spot. They may both make the team. They could be in competition. What about Jordan Adams? Is it, Do you think there's any chance that he's just let go to free up a roster spot? Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, I – that's just a guess. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can continue to commit to this kid. I mean, he's not a bad kid. I don't know why you But wouldn't. he's just got bad, a bad knee. I, I, I mean, I, you, you just can't continue to Why you to wouldn't what? Why you wouldn't, if you needed to the roster spot, I don't know why you yeah. wouldn't. I, to me, he's looking at the Thir- prognosis for his recovery. Right. Looking at the likelihood that they would even pick up his fourth year, I think is, is relatively low at this stage, given all that we know about Jordan Adams and – I mean, the procedure that he underwent, the timetable for recovery at best would give him a, a tiny sliver this season upcoming to work with to even have any kind of clue about what you want to do going forward. I, I, there's no guarantee that he's even going to be back. I, I think you, it, you'd be a sunk cost. Because we're talking about this hole at two guard, and that's with Tony Allen. Tony's yeah. going to miss 20 games. Like, yeah. who's going to play for then, sure. right? Yeah. So you got a hole at two guard. You don't have any – your backup point guard options are both rookies. You have these holes to fill. I just don't know if they can afford to keep – an empty roster spot, essentially, yeah, open all year absolutely. if he's not going to contribute. So well, to I go about back that. to an earlier point, unlike with Dave Yeager and Jordan Adams, his rookie year, uh, Fisdale is more likely, when Tony misses those 20 games, to give Baldwin a real opportunity to develop. I'll be surprised if Wade Baldwin's not thrown into the deep end of the pool. Well, look, look what I don't happened. know about Davis, but I think Baldwin, they're yeah. just going to throw him in the yeah. water. I think I mean, they both, I think Baldwin will is clearly the more likely guy to get Right. rotation, be a rotation guy uh, out of the gate. But I think Davis will work his way up pretty quickly, quicker than a lot of people think. But I th- but all you have to do is look at last year. Look at the playoffs last year. I mean, I'm not saying Xavier Munford is like, you know, some future star in the making or even more than a D-League player or whatever. But he was thrown in and he was empowered to whatever extent you can empower him. And he played, I he played his tail off at times. He played really good defense against Tony Parker in, in that playoff series. He did everything you could do. That's the kind of thing I, I think David Fisdale will look at, not with him specifically, but the idea that you can empower players that perhaps are not nearly in terms of talent, but if you really give them the opportunity to grow and develop, they will, and this team has to. They have so few young impact players, it's crazy. So they have to find those guys internally or externally, start to empower them, because otherwise, two or three years down the line, your your your, your supply is just going to cut off. You're, you're still down two first-round picks in the next five years. You gotta, that, that's how you got to get better. you got to make sure those guys get thrown in the deep end. I think that's part of the reason why Fizdale's a coach. Yep. Before we finish up with NBA free agency at large, I just want to put a, a cap on Mike Conley. What do you guys make of the reaction to the contract? Nationally, people were saying, how could Mike Conley have the richest contract in NBA history? Locally, people have said before free agency, you bring him back, but you can't max him. I, I, I think they had no choice. I was a little surprised they didn't get some – you know, because you look at the, the the other comps, the other guys are in the same position as him. Um, Mark DeRozan, t- 
took a little bit less than, not a lot, but a little bit less than the max. Nicholas Batum took a lot less than the max. He really did. And Al Horford never got the full five-year max offer from the Hawks. He ended up doing a four-year max for Boston. And so Conley's out there on this island. It's like this crazy. He's, just, he's the only one who got it. He's the only one who got that contract. Now, Durant could have gotten it if he wanted it. Right. He just didn't want it. But Conley's the only one who got it. And after after Dallas couldn't get to sign Whiteside, I'm surprised they didn't. And I always thought they would find some common ground in between you know, the most another team could pay and the most they could pay, or maybe a partial guarantee on a full. I'm a little surprised they didn't get any 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 like leeway at all in that negotiation. That said, I mean they had to bring him back. And I think a lot of the people a lot of the consternation about it is not and I don't blame people because, you know, nor, normal fans don't need to understand all this stuff, but it's not understanding the economics of the NBA. It's just There's a lot of media people that don't understand right, the economics. Right. That's the that's the problem. The fa- I don't I get the normal <laughs> fan that you wouldn't be pouring over the collective bargaining group. That's it, not that much. Is fun. it sort of crazy that Mike Conley, who's never made an all star game, has the, the, the biggest like total value contract in NBA history? Yes, but like fifteen <laughs> guys are gonna top that next year. I mean you look at the circumstances that led to it. Much of it is out of Mike Conley's control. Much of it out of the Grizzlies' control. It's just how it goes. You had a big, massive jump. If the Players Association had agreed to a smoothing, then you wouldn't have this big jump, and it wouldn't have been such a big deal. If the market had been a little bit better for point guards, you wouldn't have had the, the same leverage that Mike People Conley should would be have thankful had. his free agency isn't next summer. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, well, next summer is going to be Or that Marcus All didn't take the one-and-one and, one and get back in the market this summer. Oh, my God. Ne- next summer is going to be insane. And, and that's, that's the part that's frustrating to me, because this whole thing, is just a previously collectively bargained piece of a pie. That pie has gotten right. a great deal bigger, but it's the same piece. And in fact, the, the last players year, in total, if people don't know, the players in total are guaranteed a certain percentage of the of the basketball income yeah. that comes in. This new TV contract kicked in. The income for everybody in the league zooms way up. So it zooms up for the players and the owners. We just don't talk about what that's, the owners that, make, that, right? And, and here's the, and here's no the, one's the, publishing how much money Robert Parrish gets exactly out of the right. deal. That's exactly right. And that's right. the part that frustrates me because you know the players get, get so much garbage thrown at them for all this stuff. And look, it's a lot of money. I, we all get that. But the owners are making even more. How about this? Last year, the, in, when the memo was, was released uh, earlier this week... The, the owners paid all that money. The players still didn't hit what right. they had to hit. They had to cut the, 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 the Players Association a check for $133 million this week because they didn't pay the minimum amount they were supposed to pay last year because their revenues increased so much last year. We're not even talking about the TV. We're talking about the, the deal in China to stream the games over there live. We're talking about all the various advertising deals down in Latin America that they've done. That stuff came in so much bigger that they had to cut an extra $130 well, million. One of my favorite responses to all this over the weekend was so I think it may have been Gary Parrish. But someone pointed out Judge Judy, Judge Judy made forty seven million dollars last year, right? Like, and you know how many days she tapes by the way? Because her show made two billion, right? right. She takes comp- twenty five days a year. We don't com- incredible. We don't complain about uh, entertainers, movie stars. Right. Uh, mu- Imagine if there was a Hollywood make- salary cap, and we're talking about yeah. you know can, can, can they free up the sixty million to get Harrison Ford to do the next? Each Indiana movie has Jones its own salary yeah. cap. Yeah. Right. Right. Last point hilarious. on Mike. Yeah. Last point on Mike. I, I think that. just like with Michael Heisley, the former owner, this just really speaks to. Robert Perry's vision and his commitment. Remember, when he took over, he took two players to dinner, Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. You know, and and I think at that point he decided that whatever happens, these two guys are gonna be the cornerstones of my franchise. He didn't negotiate with Mark. He said, Here's the full max. And he and it doesn't sound like there was much of a negotiation with Mike. He said, Okay, here's the max. You know, and this is Mark's second max deal. Right and and Mike paid uh, Mike Heisley paid Mark a max. He paid Rudy. Although the first, first the first max Mark did, he took one fewer year. Right. He he yeah. did. That was more of a yeah. we will match an outside offer. That yeah. wasn't 
everything the Grizzlies. And Mark has a him. Mark has a player option on his fifth year in, in his current yeah. deal, right? That is the one. Yeah, that's the one. So, so Mike, Mike doesn't have that. He didn't right? get that. Mike's that's, a full that's the one on, thing they yielded on. I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah, Mike's a full on. Like as far as I know, there's no option in will or there will be no option in Mike's fifth year. I don't. I don't know whether. And I mean, honestly, it's going to be thirty. What four? Thirty four. So mm. I, I, he'll gladly pocket I, that, thir- <laughs> that thirty four million. He won't be trying to get out of it. Well, let's <laughs> let's finish on the biggest news over the weekend, and that was yesterday when Kevin Durant. Uh, Decided to leave the Thunder to join the Golden State Warriors. Two-year deal, second-year player option, $54 million, whatever. He joins uh, an already great team and, and make them a super team. And as far as I know, the only person freaking out about it is Stephen A. Smith on uh, ESPN. Boy, he's freaking uh, out. <laughs> but I, I, I want you guys to take on this as we close out. But I, I just don't see the problem with it. I, 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 I think – he has decided that for basketball reasons, he's going to give himself the best chance to win. Now, you can argue that they were up 3-1 on the Warriors. You know, they're a contender in Oklahoma City. But the fact is, they didn't beat them, and they didn't make the finals. And Westbrook could leave next year. But I just think what's lost in this conversation is sometimes it ignores what Oscar Robertson did in the mid-'70s in fighting the NBA for guys today to be free agents. And that means you can go wherever you want to go. I think some of the worst things in pro sports are when guys demand trades like Carmelo Anthony or guys manipulate the draft like Steve Francis refusing to go to Vancouver Grizzlies. Eli Manning in the NFL refused to go to the Chargers as a top pick and forced his way to New York. I think those things are far worse than a free agent deciding to go wherever the heck he wants to go. I Perhaps a little out of character. I'm sort of one toe in with the hot take committee on this, Uh-oh. actually. Uh oh. Um, I do not blame Kevin Durant for leaving Oklahoma City. Even though if they had kept that team together, I probably would have picked them to win the title next year. Um, that said, I mean, I sort of wish he'd gone to Boston given the options that, that he'd put on the table. It bothers me just a little bit that he goes to Golden State because I don't think it's the same thing as LeBron. Because LeBron. When LeBron went to Miami, I mean, Miami had won a title a few years earlier with Dwayne Wade. But he wasn't going to a team that was already in place. Like Kevin Durant is going to a team with a core of players in place that have already won a title without him and set the all-time regular season win win record without him. Kevin Durant's one of the two or three best players in the world. He just lost to this team in the conference finals, and he immediately is going there to a team that's already set up to be a title contender, whether he's there or not. As a basketball fan, I can't blame him personally, but as a basketball fan, it does bother me just a little bit. I can under. I would rather he go to a team that wasn't like already had already been to the mountaintop. Well, this is I had to I sort of try to put myself in his his shoes, and you know that's difficult for me. I'm. Yeah, nowhere near those you shoes. Make, you make two dollars. <laughs> hey, come on! I got to race. And, and you can't play. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> no, no less than Lionel Holland said I have a perfect shooting stroke. But anyway, that's a different podcast. Nonetheless, uh, well, you saw who Lionel been coaching. But <laughs> Chris, I don't, don't want to talk about, about that. perfect <laughs> shooting stroke. <laughs> I'm going to watch Tony <laughs> Allen in practice every day. Right. <laughs> so I, I've tried to put myself in, in his, his shoes. I'm sure that he had discussions, and it was reported by some in there that he talked with. Russell Westbrook prior to all of this and he and Russ and, and um, Nick Collison as like the, the founding building blocks of whatever the thunder are that they had these discussions. And I'm sure he asked Russell Westbrook, I said, look, man, you know, just like Mark and Mike, hey, are you going to be with me if I commit to five? Oh, yeah, are you yeah. going to be are you going to be here for five? I mean, you, you're going to be free agent. Everyone's going to want you. What do, you. what do you think? Russell must have said, no, no, no I'm not. That's why they got to train him commit. next. So 
if I'm Kevin Durant, now I can't return to Oklahoma City. If he's not going to be there... Well, he could have come back for the one and one Yeah, but but that's but to me, that then I, I still think that puts you in a very unstable situation, Chris, because now Sam Presti looks, and he's got these guys both as free agents. If we don't win the title, then anything could happen. And if, if an injury happens or something weird happens throughout the year, there's pressure to trade one of them because oh, he could lose yeah. both of like them. Like I said, I don't blame him leaving. Off-season. Just as a basketball fan, I wish he had like gone to Boston to well, build something not, new. No, that's what, that's what, so so I, I got to myself logically like, okay, he had to leave. Or he put himself in a mental position where he was going to leave. So where do I go? Do I go with a ready-made situation where I step in for Harrison Barnes and upgrade him in every conceivable way and win titles and blah, blah, blah? Or do I go to Boston and try to build something there over... I, I don't blame a guy for taking the best possible position. If I'm a CEO and I leave and I get to go to a company that's already doing great, it's a different set of circumstances, but I mean, so be it. Or if I want to build up a company from scratch or help it to get over the hump or whatever, maybe as a CEO, I like to already step into a ready-made spot. That's a different challenge to me because I think it makes him a villain, a great villain. <laughs> I love it. And I think every movie needs a great villain. And the NBA this year has the best. This is a wonderful group. You know, you're an old wrestling fan, Chris. This is Four Horsemen. This hey, is like Sting joining it, the Horsemen. It, it, this it, is great. If he, throw, if he throws that servant thing in the trash bin and goes with the Slim Reaper, then, oh, I, then, that's, then, that, then that, I'm that, all in. You know, okay? that, that's a good, every time you come to town, it's just like Ric Flair. When he come to town, every little territory thought, oh, my guy's going to beat Flair. And it would be so close. And then he'd do something and then he'd win. It's going to be this great villain. If they lose, that's a great story. If they well, win, it's a conquering. But I, I, I think I, it's, when the I schedule no when the problem. schedule comes out in August, the first thing everyone's going to look at: Do we get two Golden State games? That's a, well, you're, I tell you exactly what, right. I, 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 I surely hope. I'll leave do. you guys on this. Le, this is a lot like LeBron because there's no way he goes to Miami unless they put together that big three. Because that that's the equivalent of Durant going to the Warriors. It wasn't ready made, but putting together that talent. Yeah, but Bosch wasn't ready made. You know what I mean? Bosch was still. I remember doing when you and I were doing radio show together. On you, you killed Bosch on a regular. But he was not even <laughs> because he's I, not he, like Draymond Green. I didn't Green say, I didn't say he was very. There was a big Bosch versus Powell debate, which is a totally legitimate right, debate. Very right. much so. Yeah. But, okay, but here's the other part of that. Who said? It, whoever said it was easy to win a championship? It's not. They put together that big three. And they won two out of four. They lost two. Wait right. a minute. The Warriors had the best record in. All of NBA regular season history, they did not win the title. Ask Jerry West how easy it is to win a championship. He lost eight of them. That's what he told Durant. That's what he called. I mean, so this idea that they're just going to walk to the championship, you still got to play the game. Well, let me say this too. Cleveland was down 3-1, and they won the title. Uh, they they were fantastic and, and none of this there's so many circumstances that had to happen for for Durant to go to the Warriors it's crazy two teams blowing 3-1 leads this cap jump Steph Curry's ankles you know precluding him from signing a full max deal so he's got a, a bargain basement price all that stuff had to happen so i get all that the guy you should be mad at if you're the NBA is Zaza Pachulia for signing for two point nine? That dude in this market should have made should twelve making, million yes. plus, yep. easy. Yeah, he's but, the guy. But you know he's what? the Carl Malone signing for one million with the Lakers. He's the guy that comes in under market. He's the ring chaser. But it happened, forget about everybody. It happens else. on both sides, though. David West walked away from a bunch of money to sign a minimum contract with the Spurs to get his ring, and Le- he didn't get it. And he Le- didn't get right. it. Lamarcus, oh, that's what I'm saying. It's not easy. You Lamarcus should be mad at Aldridge. Him, everybody should be mad at Lamarcus Aldridge is the face of the Portland Trailblazers. And look what they did without him. If he had just hung in there, maybe they they make a deeper run, but he chased the title. So these guys, they're just making decisions to put themselves in the best possible position. All right, let's end on this. Grade the Grizzlies offseason. Peter? Oh, so far, A. A plus. They had three pitches to hit. They hit them all. I got to give them an A. 
All right. What do you think? They average an A minus. No, A. A, A, A. No, it's an A so far. <laughs> All right. We got to wrap this up. We're too long winded this time, but it was fun. Yeah. Thank thanks you for having me. I appreciate All right. it. Well, join us next time for another hot live Grizzlies podcast. Talk to you guys soon. This is the Commercial Appeal.